we are at a unique place for us in Guangzhou and in Xiguan because this is a place where many years ago different ideas, different people come together. So now we want to create this unique place where cutting edge ideas and traditional ideas are being shared. Hey, TEDx organizers, you're listening to Solving for X, our podcast for the TEDx community. I'm your host, Jay Herati, and today I'm sitting down with Jimmy Tan. He's the organizer of TEDx Xiguan in China. In this episode, we explore the balance of preserving the cultural essence of your local community while also embracing change. Let's jump right in. Jimmy, welcome to Solving for X. Thank you, Jay. Welcome to New York as well. Yeah, thank you. You are the organizer of TEDx Xiguan. Most of uh, our listeners probably don't know where Xiguan is. Tell us. So Xiguan is in the third biggest city in China. It's, it's called Guangzhou. And our event is in Guangzhou. Okay, and Guangzhou is relatively close to Hong Kong, right? It's very close to Hong Kong. It was, uh, well, you tell us, tell us about uh, Guangzhou a little bit. Yeah, so Guangzhou is actually the first place in China opened up foreign trade. Like, I think it's 300 years ago mm. to the world. So Guangzhou really has this history of trading, dealing with outside people from outside of China, doing businesses. It has a long history of that. And... We talked about Guangzhou being the first city opened up to the world, and Xiguan is the first area actually opened up. So as you've built your community at TEDx Xiguan, what was your vision and how has it evolved? So TEDx Xiguan has been going for five years now. At the beginning, to be very honest, I didn't really think much deep into what TEDx can bring to this community uh, or the changes it can create. We just thought, TED and TEDx is such a cool thing because I <laughs> I started organizing TEDx event actually from 2011. I was in a university event and after graduation, I just felt like this is a part of my identity, my life I want to hold on to. So I applied for a new license, a standard license um, and chose this name. So at that time, we just thought this I'm just going to do it. Yeah, it's a cool you, thing to do. You're basically saying like any young person, you were not thinking ahead no. beyond one year. Okay, so <laughs> so maybe not having had the vision, now you've been at it for five years. Yeah. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the people who come? We recently actually identified this meaning to us as this community common space or a place where public discourse can happen because where we are in China, we have a different sense of community. There are not places people normally come to and have conversations with each other. There are not community centers. And so we realize this is how this event is evolving too. People are coming back to this event. Again and again, they come back with their own ideas. This is a place where they can talk about things they care about. It's interesting, like uh, for somebody who doesn't live in China but visited a few times, when I walk around China in cities, you see a lot of parks, and the parks look like very social places, right? From people exercising to people I know doing matchmaking. With they bring pictures of their of their children, and you know, there's all kinds of community things happening. Uh, are you saying that those are fairly 
informal, maybe they're not very deep about ideas or topics. Is that is that what it is? Yeah, there are parks and people do go to them, but also the majority of people going to those places are, are elderly, where young people, they normally go to your events just for maybe the brand of it, consumerism even, uh, taking pictures and posting online. Right. Also, to be fair, they don't really have a place to talk about ideas uh, and conversations they want to have. I don't think they lack of ideas. I do think they just need a place where this kind of conversation can happen and people around them don't think they're stupid. So give us a flavor for the kind of conversations anchored around ideas that happen at your event. What are some of the conversations going on? Right. So in our previous event just happened, actually, there is a topic in China, very hot topic now, it's waste sorting. The government in Shanghai made waste sorting into law. Everyone has to do this by their means, by their regulations. Um, and waste sorting means recycling? In, in recycling is part of it yeah. because people were not doing it before. And Shanghai started doing this and the whole country is now following. So Guangzhou naturally will make that into law eventually. So there is a big discussion about it because people felt they are forced to do this because there is no discussion about how we're going to recycle, how we are treating the waste, etc. There's no discussion at mm. all government just wrote out this regulation and some people have some thoughts about it but there's literally no place to discuss so we felt it's an important issue to our community we had a expert from this field this time to talk about this issue and to our surprise actually his presentation was the best received the speaker's name is Luo Jieming and essentially his idea is, yes, it's a thing that's going to be not so convenient for us, a thing that's almost a pain for us, but we, we have to do it, and these are the reasons why. And his presentation was applauded by all the audience and even some standing ovations. You are surprised. After that, people went down to discuss about this by themselves with this speaker, and they just felt, yeah, this is a topic we should talk about, and we should design this together, and then we can have this rollout and exercise that. So Jimmy, you've created a place for conversations for people to talk about um, the ideas and things that matter in their community. In many ways, that is a very TEDx thing. It happens around the world. But I'm interested in how you uh, create a space like this in China, right? So we, we look at it from the outside, and we do know that it's got a, a different social media environment. It's got a different approach to discourse and its own political and cultural systems. How do you create a place where this can happen comfortably and within the right context? So first of all, TED and, and TEDx is it's itself is non-political. There are content guidelines we have to follow, and I think they are good guidelines for for TEDx events to follow. Um, so by following those guidelines, uh, we are not going into controversies or like even political topics. We're not trying to be political at all. There are similarities between organizing in China and organizing in any other places. Uh, Many. <laughs> yeah. We use the internet to organize. We are finding difficulties looking for sponsorships. Uh, <laughs> we, are, we face all the same, same issues. Um, but there are also differences too. Um, language being one, how we package, how we market this event, what kind of topics 
are meaningful to the local audience because we also have a submission form where people can submit their own ideas and, mm -hmm. and we open to that too. And um, there are, for some reason, many foreign, uh, like people from other countries applying to speak at our event. Um, and, and there was an example where a, a lady from uh, America and she wanted to come and speak about women power. Yeah, essentially empowering women. And we think it's an important issue, an important uh, idea to spread. But her ideas uh, and, and her arguments are all based in uh, the U.S. system, the U.S. Mm. culture, the U.S. workplace culture, for example. Mm. Um, and those we think, although she was great uh, when we had our, our call interview and uh, had our video call, but we just thought her whole talk should happen in a, in a U.S. TEDx event mm. instead of in China. But we do realize, like, for example, women power uh, and empowering women. China has its own different type of issues uh, around this topic. And so we, we then went on to look for uh, speakers who can speak from, based on a Chinese uh, experience. The specific challenges, you mentioned language is one of them, obviously, I know. You're also not on the same social media environment that the rest of the TEDx community is. Um, because officially in China, you don't have access to Google, YouTube, Facebook, and those are some of the systems that organizers here rely on and access regularly. Yeah, so uh, essentially what we, we use similar tools. There are substitutes for essentially everything that we don't have access to. But we do have differences. Like, for example, the rest of TEDx community are talking about how to utilize Instagram. And those experiences are just not applicable for Chinese organizers. Yeah. And sometimes we do have difficulties of accessing, like, if, say, a file is on Google Drive, then we just can't access it. That being said, we do have um, other sets of social media. Well, you have the amazing WeChat, WeChat which is a, is a world on its own. WeChat, you can do everything on WeChat. We promote our events through WeChat mostly, but WeChat has a different setup because people are used to reading long stories, long articles on, on WeChat. Um, so normally our, our promotion coming as like a blog post uh, with a lot of writing, pictures. Um, so it's not like Instagram with mostly pictures. And we have our own video sites. Uh, we, we, we used to have Yoku. Uh, we're now moving on to Tencent. Uh, so WeChat can carry the videos. And so, yeah, we promote our event that way. But I do feel like because of this disconnection, because we use different systems, the rest of TEDx community don't really see what's going on in China. Yeah. And I personally think that's kind of a shame. Mm. Uh, there are great, great events happening in China. And I think uh, if Chinese organizers can look into what the rest of the world is, is doing, that could be very beneficial to them too. Uh, they can learn from an uh, event in Rome or of the other TEDx events. Would have been beautiful. But in the meanwhile, I know the TEDx community in China is, uh, is quite close and working very closely with each other. Uh, there was a big regional workshop in January in Shanghai where about 300 TEDx organizers came together, shared learnings and ideas. What do you think is the state of the TEDx community in China? I think there are like close to 200 live events, uh, TEDx events in China. 
and mostly in the big cities, but also we are seeing events popping up in in uh, inner inner China, uh, smaller towns and universities. Universities, of course, um, and I would say the Chinese TEDx community are younger. It's the group of people in China who have access and who are most interested in new ideas. I think the events will take some time to mature, but we are seeing good improvements uh, on our own events, and we're seeing great events examples in, from other cities in China too. I also do feel there is a competitiveness in uh, the, the Chinese community. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, that is not unique to China. Yeah. I mean, there's a healthy amount of uh, cooperation. Competition. Co-op- you know, it's both cooperation and collaboration yeah. and a little bit of healthy competition, which is not the worst thing in the world. And it's kind of natural in many ways, uh, as long as it's supportive and loving. Um, what's it like to get volunteers for your TEDx event in China? Actually, now we have a huge pool of volunteers. Uh, every time we when we have an event, we roll out our event information and we, we call for volunteers to join us. And it's relatively easy to get volunteers nowadays. Um, but in China, there is not such a big culture around uh, volunteering or volunteering for social events, for charity. Mostly these volunteers are young people or from universities. And by joining an event like a TEDx event, uh, volunteering there, that can open up other possibilities for them to volunteer at other places, hopefully. Do people understand the concept of uh, this is a not, you know, and you're not doing this for profit and therefore people should volunteer for free? How is that perceived locally? It is really hard to, in China, to remind people that this is a non-profit event um, and we are all volunteers. People still are very skeptical, especially when you're talking with potential partners and sometimes they think you, you are doing this for some other reason by not telling them. And then you have to convince them that you really love ideas <laughs> and you really want to spread. And what, what is your explanation to partners around why, why this is important as a nonprofit in Xiguan right now or in Guangzhou right now? So at the beginning, it would be difficult. They would wonder, what, what kind of ideas? Can I see your speakers? Uh, can I see their scripts? And normally when we're talking with partners, we don't have those things ready yet. But after a few years of building the portfolio of our talks and speakers, now we go into a meeting and we, we say, these are the talks we had in our events before, and they can see by themselves, these talks don't have any other agenda. They are purely ideas sharing, and the speakers are not on stage talking about their companies or their projects or their, themselves. So they also will understand mm. when they want to say, oh, by the way, our, our bosses also want to speak at right. your event. They will understand we don't allow that and, and they can see from our, uh, all of our curations. So, so it, I would say take time for, for event to find its, its voice. own voice. Yeah. Um, and, but, but if you really stick to it, and I think, I think the partners will eventually understand. We had partners like this. The, the first year they were very skeptical, but after seeing the first year event, now they don't even require a contract to, to work with us. They, they just feel like this is a thing they do every year. That's great. You speak of pacing your growth of your event, not going too fast. Um, can you elaborate what you mean by that and maybe describe how you did that for TEDx Yiguan? In light of what's going on in China, uh, everything else is growing so fast. 
in this culture, we do see organizers coming into this platform and feel like they have to come up with a, a huge event like the ones they see from other TEDx events. Um, like, for example, TEDx events could have um, many years of building before they had a, a few hundred audiences and uh, a first-time organizer feel like we have to do that. And, and that's just not the case. And also by doing that, I think it can damage the potential of the new event because um, then they are they are putting their focus and energy onto um, how to make this thing grand and, and and fancy and draw more people in instead of more importantly the ideas and, and the speakers and the speeches. So your event started small and then how did you grow it slowly right. slowly? So the very first event TEDx Xiguan had was a, a live event, a TEDx Xiguan live event. Mm, we nice. live streamed from uh, TED Global in uh, Rio, 2014. And um, we thought we can fill a bar. We couldn't. <laughs> we had like less than 100 people. Uh, and not many people are interested in coming to a bar and, and watch TED Talks. Yeah. But by building step by step and so the second year we had 200 people then more and more and the biggest audience we had was 800 mm -hmm. uh, in our fourth year then we felt 800 was too big uh, for because we were using the same venue and the lunch was too busy and and some of the details we felt it wasn't right so we scaled down again we're now at 660 for some reason, that's an exact number. And we felt that's a comfortable size uh, we can manage in that venue. And still, 660 people is a big event. And I think your point is really well made. People think that they need to rush towards growth. Sometimes it's not right for the community. And it burns you out faster because if, you, if you're not prepared or if you go bigger than you need to, it takes the fun out of it a little bit. So I'm glad you guys found your sweet spot. Now, your event, I know, is it does two things. In some ways, you are cutting edge and you are very much on the leading edge of what's next and what the future brings. On the other hand, you kind of focus on tradition and history. How do you balance those two? Maybe tell us about um, tradition versus being cutting edge. Right. Um, I think that's, that's very interesting to us, and we are at a unique place. Uh, for us in Guangzhou and in Xiguan, because this is a place where many years ago, different ideas, different people come together. So now we want to create this unique place where cutting edge ideas and traditional ideas are being shared. So for example, we had traditional Chinese paintings, but there are artists using digital means to create traditional paintings. Mm, um, and uh, and um, ideas like that, talks like that. And we had, uh, because Xiguan, and if you know anything about Guangzhou, that's where Ding Sum is from, basically. And oh, so, really? yeah, so so people are really into food. Xiguan cuisine, that's the thing they feel most proud of. Um, so we had people talking about cooking, cuisines, and we even had uh, experiences on site uh, in the venue. So during breaks, people can see how the traditional ding songs are being made mm. and they can taste them. We want Tedeschi Guan to be a place where these traditional ideas 
meet with new ideas. In our most recent event, we had a, a professor from Italy, but he he works in Guangzhou, and he's a astrophysicist. So he talked about why we need to go to Mars, and and how we're gonna go there, and even how we're gonna pay for the trip to Mars. Why we should go to Mars? Well, one of the reasons is that you know we Terrans, inhabitants of Terra, the planet Earth, have always wanted to push further our limits. We always wanted to discover new lands beyond seas, beyond mountains, and why not beyond space? So in a way, Mars will become our next frontier. So by mixing these two kinds of ideas.、Um, We found the conversation happening in our venue really, really interesting,、um, and、hmm. people are just feel like they're at a very safe place.、Um, they can talk about essentially every anything they felt interesting, important, and meaningful to them.、Hmm. I like how it sounds. This notion of when people think about the future, which can be a little bit unsettling, then anchoring that in tradition. In the history and in the present, makes them feel safe and maybe opens them up more. Yeah, and and there is another part in in our events. We we felt it's also very important、uh, to our identity is that normally we have three languages in our talks. So we have Mandarin Chinese,、uh, that's the most used language, but we also have the local language of Guangzhou Cantonese presentations. And every time there is a Cantonese presentation, the audience just go crazy. Because they they just love the local language being presented on stage, and also we have English, so we have、uh, live translation for everybody to understand all of the talks, and that's a unique point of our event. They feel like this is a place they can listen to all three languages of presentations, and and they feel quite happy about that. So, how do you think about what talk to bring to the stage in what language? So, it sounds like you've got Mandarin, you've got Cantonese, and you've got English. But is there any kind of methodology behind what language this should be told at and why? So, mostly we want to have three languages or two, but we don't force any speakers to to speak any language we want them to speak to、uh, speak in. We want them to speak in a language they feel comfortable with. But we do offer this as options, and sometimes when they see this as options, they feel like, oh, I, I want actually want to speak this idea in this local language because I'm speaking to my local people. We also think about our audiences beyond、uh, the day of event. We think about so when this talk will go online,、um, who will see this talk and who will this talk benefit?、Um, and so by by thinking about that. We had speakers talk、uh, about local issues. They could have sp- spoken in、uh, a local language, but they spoke in Mandarin Chinese, or even some Chinese speakers. They have spoken in English because they felt this is an idea they want more people the world to hear、uh, from China. Jimmy, you've been a phenomenal community member within the TEDx Global community. I know you live. Well, you obviously you live in China, but you have really. Made an effort to travel to all parts of the world. I feel like everywhere I go, whether it's Geneva or you were just in Edinburgh as well, right? Yeah, in Scotland, and you you come, you join, you know the community worldwide really well. What do you want to tell the community about your TEDx event or TEDx in China? Is there anything else you'd like to say 
that you want them to know? To whoever is new to this platform or, or considering joining TEDx, I, I think at the beginning, it does look like a, a big effort. You're giving everything you have to this thing and, and it doesn't generate money, it doesn't generate anything uh, for you, it looks like from outside. Um, but I would say throughout the years, I, I feel like I received more than I gave. Um, I learned a lot by organizing these events. Uh, I had the chance to talk about science, talk about uh, astrophysics <laughs> with uh, astrophysicists. <laughs> um, I had the chance to talk about almost anything with all the amazing speakers we had. Um, I learned about organizing, managing people, managing team. Um, and I just, and I, I also received this great community I'm now part of. Um, so I, I actually do feel very honored to be part of this community. Mm. Um, and it takes time to realize the vastness of this community and for those learnings or, or if you want to say gains to appear. But um, yeah, if I would say, I'd just say be patient and, and, and also this is a, this is a thing and, or a place actually going to give you more than you give. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful thing. And I, I say this sometimes on stage to new organizers that it's a lot of work. Uh, you give a lot, but you get a lot. And um, you just said you get more than you give. But I would stick with like, the more you give, the more you get. It's like you, you both give and you get. Well, Jimmy, this was great. And I hope uh, we'll see you back here in New York again. Maybe we'll do the second installation in another five years. Thanks for stopping by. It's good to have you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Solving for X. Join us on the TEDx Hub to find additional resources on this topic. You can also share your insights or ask questions. This episode was produced with love by Bianca De Jesus, recorded by Taylor Stemley, and researched by Tsvetina Deneva. This episode was edited by Mickey Kapper. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Solving for X channel wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, or of course, on the TEDx Hub. Thank you for listening to Solving for X. See you next time. <laughs>